welcome to Europhile. My name is Kate Walker. And I'm Catherine Rory. Kat, how are you? What's up? <laughs> How's it going? I feel like I, I haven't talked to you in a while. Like, I know. You've had a very you. busy work week. I know. It's been kind of awful. And it's my own fault, but whatever. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about you, fun things. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm good. Nothing really going on, you know, mm-hmm. things are getting crazy here in the U.S., so I'm just yeah. chilling at home. Mm-hmm. I slept over at my sister's on Friday. That was really nice. She's and... the cutest dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> my little best friend. I love her. <laughs> and then last night, I did a virtual wine tasting, so mm. that was fun. Just that's like a fun. nice Saturday evening mm. activity that's not watching a movie. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah, good. Yeah. How are you, wow. Kate? What is that like? <laughs> I know, I know. You know, <laughs> um, I'm good, Cat. I've been waiting three fucking days to tell you this, and I was like, you know how bad I am at keeping secrets like this. Oh yeah, I'm the worst well, with you, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like a serious like secret, so whatever. But yeah, okay, Cat. Nukes is selling in the U.S. again. <gasps> Are you kidding me? Oh my god! Not kidding. <laughs> Someone sent me a link. My friend Sam. Oh my God. Stop it. Stop. I was thrilled. I was like, well, I literally just emptied an oil this week. Welcome, Nukes. Welcome, stateside. We love you. (laughs) You know, we'd still love to work with you, Mm. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. very happy that you're here. You know, I wouldn't hate samples. No. (laughs) would welcome them and now I can like use my body oil with reckless abandon knowing that I'll be able to (laughs) easily replace it (laughs) exactly the last time I ordered it it took like a month to get to me yeah it takes which like fine I'll wait I Mm -hmm. love it wonderful news I'm impatient (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay should we get into it please let's do I kind of had a crazy weekend, so hopefully this goes well, um, researching this. So I actually didn't really have to research this because don't want, don't mean to brag, but I went to art school and <laughs> are we using that degree? I don't, you know, I don't know, but um, we are. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Yes. I had a fashion history course. Ooh. One of the topics that I did mm-hmm. is the one I'm going to do today. Today, we're going to take a little trip to Germany. Wonderful. And we're going to gonna talk about the fashion photographer, Helma Newton. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this, this is our is first really man. Yes. Yeah. Right, so true. Also a feminist, but, right. you know, we'll discuss. Is he? Please. Isn't he? <gasps> yeah, educate we'll me. Okay, great. Do you know anything about Helmut? No. No, Okay. <laughs> Helmut Newton was born Helmut Neustadter in Berlin on October 30th, 31st, excuse me, 1920 to a wealthy button manufacturer. Ooh. Um, also Scorpio, which yes. you can tell. Ooh, okay. I bet if I sent you photos, you'd mm-hmm. be like, 
yes, yes, yes. I've seen all of these. Yes. I mean, outside from some of his photos, you know, I don't know anything. So he grew up wealthy and his mother just adored him. Um, (laughs) She dressed him up in patent leather shoes and like little (gasps) velvet suits. Ooh, flashy. I love a little flashy baby. she, (laughs) (laughs) She told him that he could never touch banisters. So he, and like, he was always chauffeured to school. Oh, never touch a banister. He was fancy little Great. German. Mental note, I need to never boy. touch a banister for the rest of my life. It's filthy. <laughs> and his mom, she's kind of fun. She once fired a maid for dressing too well on her day off. Like, why oh, are you so jealous? Yeah, wow. He was Jewish, so in yeah. Germany. But they always celebrated Christmas and Christian holidays and Hmm. he never had a bat mitzvah and never really celebrated Hanukkah or anything like that. So by the time he was like in his teenage years, he was really confident. I mean, a lot of confidence can be gained when you're from a wealthy family. And they said that was like one of the big reasons he had this kind of freedom, you know, this like Mm. the freedom of wealth really. Yes. Okay. To explore his creativity. And that's when he got his first Kodak Brown Brownie, I think that's what it was called. And he discovered his love for photography. Wow. From a young age. Diving right in. He found it. Oh yeah. So like picture it, Berlin, 1930s Mm. decadence. Yes. And like, he's in it. How fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's early 30s. this world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before 1933. Yes. Also, in 1934, when the Nuremberg racial laws were enacted, mm. he fell in love with an Aryan girl and he was quoted to say, I was pretty much awake to it, but didn't give a shit one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that law. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and so he, he was a naughty little boy. He always was truant in school, more interested in photography than learning. And this is funny. So he was a keen swimmer and... He recalls with affection when he was interviewed once, and he said he had a particular preponderance of girls in swimsuits, and he said he stayed wet for a long time. Oh my god. (laughs) The saucy little minx of a teenage boy. He's like 14 (laughs) thinking this. I mean, I'm sure he was an adult when he was interviewed, but that's so funny. Yeah. By the age of 16, he got an apprenticeship. He sort of got more into fashion photography Okay. during this time. He worked with this famous woman in Berlin. Her name was Elsa Newlander Simon, Simon, and she would exhibit like nude photography. So that was really influential to him too. Mm. Um, You know, it's all paving way to eventually earn him the title King of Kink later on. (laughs) It was very influential to him. Yes. The climate in Germany significantly changes. Mm -hmm. He is Jewish. And so he was briefly interned in a concentration camp. Whoa. And then was able to somehow leave and go to Australia via Singapore. Oh, okay. And wow. um that's very lucky. Seriously. And he like got some assignments there, got more work, kind of got a little bit known better. Mm-hmm. I realized how far I was from the goal I'd set myself 
unbecoming a Vogue photographer. So this time he like realizes his goal. Instead, I'd become a trained fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, he's wild. Because he's doing like news stories and Mm -hmm. like, you know, just like various different things. And also he was interned by the British in Singapore too. And then eventually was able to get to... Sydney and also was interned there. Jeez, why? Yeah, because he's from Germany and Brits were being, wow, I don't know, cautious? Yeah. Overly cautious? I don't know. I mean, okay. he was Jewish. Like, yeah. how cautious do you need to be? Well, I guess they were taking it very seriously. Yeah. So in 1946, he started returning to photography and eventually opened up his own studio. And that is when he met his wife, the actress, June Brown, and he married her in 1948. Okay. Like around this time, he met Henry Talbot, and he's also another German refugee. This is when he starts getting assignments for Australian Vogue. Ooh, okay. Baby. Mm -hmm. Made it to a Vogue. Yeah. (laughs) He was working freelance for British Vogue at the time. Oh, able to get assignments here or there. Okay. He said that it was very boring because it was constrained and it (laughs) there was a lot of (laughs) prudish conservatism. And then Mm. he left for Paris. Okay. And and the doors flew open. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he sort of like got them to notice him and was like, I'm just going to make the leap to go to Paris. Mm -hmm. Realize my dream of becoming a Vogue photographer. Drunk at Vogue, you know? Yes. (laughs) Carrie Bradshaw. How many times are we going to mention Carrie? (laughs) I love it. Every episode, please. (laughs) So he was able to start working for some other fashion magazines as well, like German and French magazines. Mm -hmm. Um, He even got some assignments again from Australian Vogue. So in 1961, he took the famous, very, very famous photograph for YSL, Yves Saint Laurent, in the smoking jacket. Oh, Oh, the the picture of the woman who she's got like the the suit on in, you know, she's alone in the street and it's in the (laughs) Marais. Iconic. Perfect. We'll post that on Instagram if you guys are not aware. With all of these commissions and work he's been getting, he's able to get more financial security, you know, because mm-hmm. in Germany, they took away all of their button wealth. So now him and his wife are able to buy, you're, you're just going to die, oh, a house God. in the Côte d'Azur near Saint-Tropez. Oh. And this is where him and June, you know, thrive. And they oh, would summer there. Pain. And oh, that's all I want in this life. I know. It doesn't know. need to be a grand house. Just no. a place to call your own. Just a sweet, cozy. In southern France. And you're lovely making bread. Home. Hearing the crickets. Oh. The warm breeze is scented with rosemary and lavender. Oh, Just say no tie. more. I know. Honey um. from the local hives. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You'd think we're starving for some culture, you know? (laughs) Because of this, he was able to really explore a darker side, you know? Please do. 
<laughs> During this time, he said, I love vulgarity and I'm attracted by bad taste. It is a lot more exciting than supposed good taste, which is nothing more than a standardized way of looking at things. Absolutely true. Thank <sighs> you. Yeah. I love him. So great. I'll talk a little bit about like some commissions he got. Oh, good. Because of this newfound freedom, he was able to explore the themes of sadomasochism and fetishism. Mm. And so when he was asked about these themes, he said, I was always very interested in sadomasochism. It's perfectly legitimate. Well, I've always considered Hermes to be the world's greatest sex shop with its whips, saddles, and spurs. <laughs> oh my God, so good. <laughs> he had uh, an assignment with them. Mm -hmm. And so he says, yeah. we spent an entire afternoon there selecting all kinds of things from the cases, went back to the hotel room, and had one girl ride the other. In, per <laughs> in a particular photo, one girl has a whip clenched between her teeth and I think she looked great but I think Mr. Herme Monsieur Hermes had a fit when he saw the photos <laughs> actually a lot of advertisers have fits when they see what I do with their products a favorite shot of mine is one of a woman wearing Bulgari jewels and stuffing a chicken <laughs> God, needless, I love to, it. <laughs> needless to say Bulgari thought it was a terrible thing for me to do with their jewels <laughs> And it's so funny Isn't that they kept so hiring fun? him and he's yeah. like, well, I'm just like, what do you expect? Yeah. What do you want? This is from why me? you want me, no? You're going to get chicken meat inside this emerald diamond ring. <laughs> like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. So, so he imaginative he got and like right? vibrant yeah. for the time, especially. Mm -hmm. It was rumored that he had an affair. I, I forget if it's Australia hmm. or in Berlin when he was really young, but it was with a very older, experienced woman. Oh, that'll do it. But she introduced him to like kinky, kinky shit. Christian Grey? <laughs> <laughs> Whipping him. <laughs> but yeah, so with this new renown, he was able mm -hmm. to photograph... I think starting in the 80s more, he was able to photograph for Playboy. Brilliant. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. He photographed like David Lynch, Madonna, cool. um, Andy Warhol, Charlotte Rampling. You know, have you seen that image of Charlotte Rampling when she's sitting naked? She's kind of like sitting. I like, don't know behind. who that is. Oh, okay. I bet you do. I'll send you a picture. He also photographed a lot of controversial figures, like some French politicians and mm. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> oh my God. Um, so he says about his portraits and his work, um, mm -hmm. especially in the 80s, he says, my job is to seduce, amuse, oh. and entertain. Great. So fun. Give it to us. Yeah. Mm. That's why we're here. One of his most famous works it's like a series is called big nudes and it's these and it started in like the 80s and 90s of you know like the cindy crawford type model like okay fit yeah really tall mm -hmm. he's she's still got like curves though yeah. and he loves <laughs> that type of woman he yeah. loves like that type of yeah body S like so strong and like just you can't help but notice power yeah so even though he portrays women in like this you know very sexualized manner it's always 
I feel like it's empowering. Mm-hmm. Like I see those images and I'm like, that is a vibe I need to emulate. Yeah. Okay. Good. You know? I, yeah. I've been like, it's in the bend in the back of my mind this whole time wondering yeah. what was the vibe like on set. But clearly if that yeah. comes across, I hope it means yeah. that they were also like was... feeling themselves, you yeah, know, exactly. and like he just captured them being yeah. the amazing I mean, selves that they are. The stuff that we know now about fashion photographers and stuff like that. I mean, who knows yeah. if the, there was healthy boundaries, but I think for the work or how it's portrayed in the photographs yeah. is inspiring to me at yeah. least and like fun and like it doesn't it doesn't take it so seriously you know it's yeah. not so serious it's a play like you're playing with Bulgari you're playing with Hermes mm-hmm. you know it's just fun and life is supposed to be like that it's not supposed to be like so buttoned up serious right puritanism Mm -hmm. You know, this one writer from The New Yorker is quoted to say, this is why people complain about Newton, not because he strips women and poses them sternly available, but at the same time, he has the gall to make them untouchable. Mm -hmm. Okay, so another thing about like the feminism argument, it's quoted, he says, he considers himself a lover of strong women and wants to represent women such as in his pictures. What brings contradiction and provocation, though, is the use of sexual themes, putting these women in vulnerable outfits, mm. you know, quotation marks, yeah. <laughs> defies political correctness and thus brought him haste from feminists to show women adopting a strong and straight attitude in other nakedness tends to desexualize the subjects and succeeds in demonstrating the strength and boldness of these women. Mm. So, fuck, yes. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. They said it like his work was never actually dirty, but it always told yeah. the line. Yeah. You know? Enough to, you know, raise an eyebrow, elicit and- a response, mm-hmm. but it's not. Yeah, it's good enough for Playboy. It's good enough for Hermes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So there's no argument that women, luxury, sexuality, power, and the tendency to push boundaries are what makes Helmut Newton's work influential mm-hmm. and yeah. haunting. Ugh. Now mm-hmm. I can't wait to like waste hours looking at his <laughs> photos because that's all I yeah. want to do. Right now. <laughs> um, oh. One of my favorite photos of his is there's a nude inside an alligator. <laughs> She's like in his in the alligator's mouth, so you can see just like the lower half of her. Okay, it's oh, so fun. I'll send yeah. you these. That sounds um, familiar. There's also a series he did with x-rays. So there's some heels. So you see like the metal inside the heel and like the foot, you know, like the the bone in the foot. You see the nails inside the foot. So it's like a little, it's not beautiful really. Right. But it gives it that extra something, Mm -hmm. you know, because you don't know the nail is in a heel. Right. But you see it in like the x-ray. Mm-hmm. There's also this one where it's two hands and they're handcuffed. Okay. <laughs> it's really fun. Mm-hmm. So he moved between the south of France and LA in his later oh. years. He was leaving the Chateau Marmont, which is, you know, mm. just a hop, skip, and a jump away from me <laughs> in 2004. And his car spun out of control. And... He hit a wall on Sunset Boulevard and 
passed away on January 23rd, 2004. Whoa, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Well, that's Mm. so tragic. Mm -hmm. And he later had a foundation open with all of his work after his passing posthumously. Yeah. An incredible visionary. And I do think like, as much as I know about Berlin, there's that maybe pushing your toe over the line of like mm. kink yeah. and like political correctness and, you know, I play with that stuff like that. Yeah, but you can definitely see his influence in fashion photography today. He's incredibly influential. Oh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. That was so wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's a I know, name. He's like so sassy and fun. Yeah. And that's a name mm-hmm. that I just know, you know, I, mm-hmm. I you one could say household name. And yet I don't know anything mm-hmm. about him. So yeah. Oh, that was really well done, Kate. What a fun Thank thing you. to study in school. Do you mind if I dive right into my topic? Please. Because it goes mm-hmm. really well with this. <gasps> so Great. to do with sexuality and being yourself and trying new things, mm-hmm. letting yourself shine, we could say. Mm, so okay. I had a feeling, I always like to try and guess what you're going to talk about. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I wonder... <laughs> Because that also matters, Same. you know, of what I pick. <laughs> no, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I That's thought maybe. I told maybe, you. I was like, it's a little sexy. So yeah. FYI. <laughs> I thought you were maybe going to talk about Marlene Dietrich, who was oh. a famous Hollywood actress, but born in mm-hmm. Germany. So I was kind of looking into her and then I found this fun little spinoff that she is kind of involved in. So. Great. Today, I will give you a brief little history of queer culture in Berlin. <gasps> yes! <laughs> because oh, I didn't know that Marlene Dietrich was bi. I okay. found that out in my research. So I'm going to tell you a little great. bit about turn of the century, 20s, up until um, the 1930s. Okay, so you're familiar with like, yeah. Yes, yeah. Or his early life, yeah. Yeah. It's basically, we're going to be talking about the bar and club scene. Oh, Great! Yes. The first gay district in the world was called Schoenberg, and that's in Berlin. They had a million different districts, uh-huh. but this one was the super popular one. So this is okay, going to be fun, great. you know, like close your eyes and imagine as I tell you this, because mm-hmm. it just sounds so <laughs> fucking fun. Okay. In 1896, the world's first gay magazine called Der Egen, meaning the self-owning mm was printed in Germany. And then a year later in 1897. So like this is obviously a long time ago. And mm. uh, in the late 1890s. 1890s, yeah. Yeah, and it is thriving mm-hmm. and it's yeah, perfectly be fine. Yeah, yeah, it is a welcome thing in Berlin especially. Um, quick aside, I'm going to preface this with saying, based on the articles I read, and obviously I, I studied history and European history, that mm-hmm. historians use terminology that was used at the time that the content was happening. So okay. obviously now it's a spectrum of identity yes, and totally, you know, mm-hmm. and we support you. Yes, of course. Yeah. You know, so in this, these articles, basically the only words that are used are gay and lesbian. So okay. I will be repeating a lot of the information. We that will I- just understand that that is what they said. Yes, And that is not what you were saying. Yes, thank you. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So again, in 1897, here we have a German physician named Magnus Hirschfeld, and he founded the Scientific Humanitarian Committee 
as a mm-hmm. subset of Berlin's Institute for the Science of Sexuality, which was like oh, huge yes, deal. Yes, they did have that. Yes, in the late that's great. In the 1890s, and it that's was so great. The first. Imagine of its if kind. we would have that kind of resource, you know, know, like back then. I know, just so necessary. Amazing, yeah. Um, so it was kind of the first of its kind in Germany and the first gay rights organization in the world to lobby for the rights of gay, lesbian, and transgender people with a focus on legal representation. Oh, how wow. cool is this? That's so progressive. Yeah. What an really. amazing community Berlin yeah. was. And was. But, yeah, mm. well, yeah. And she, you know, we yeah. all know what happens yeah. a couple decades later. Mm-hmm. In the 1920s, Berlin was the gay capital of Europe. And in the 20s and 30s, queer nightlife and art flourished. There was bars, clubs, Mm -hmm. films, music, print publications. It was just going off. They were having a ball. (laughs) In the 20s and 30s, it is fantastic. Yeah. And then in comes fascism at Nazi Germany Mm, and mm -hmm. in the 30s you know start putting pressure on the queer community and start Mm -hmm. shutting down their cafes their clubs their bars Mm -hmm. their meeting places forcing these people underground and we Mm -hmm. all know of course a lot of them were sent to camps as well Mm -hmm. okay so now let's talk about the fun nightlife that these people Mm -hmm. were experiencing At the turn of the century, so early 1900s, the gay scene in Berlin was so popular that it was written about in tourist magazines and things like that. Mm. But, you know, which sounds fun, but I think most people took it as like, oh, these are the... Don't go there. The evils of urban life and, you know, dangers of modernity. So, like, obviously it wasn't perfect, Mm -hmm. But it was big enough of a culture in Berlin that people knew about it. Okay. Some famous performers, you know, we had Marlene Dietrich. She would sing and dance at the most famous bar there called the El Dorado. We had the Tiller girls who were kind of like raquette style performers. We had people singing sexy, funny, lewd songs, naked dancers, comedians, and Mm. risque jokes, and clubs where men, you know, wore whatever they want. They wore makeup. They dressed Mm. in drag. Women would cut their hair short and wear tuxedos, and people would write about it. The world's turned upside down, and it's the best. Um, Yeah. Christopher Isherwood wrote short stories about his time in Berlin's gay districts, and that would inspire the story of Cabaret, the musical with Liza Minnelli. (laughs) Yeah, just fun. And Magnus Hirschfeld, the physician that I mentioned earlier, he kind of wrote, I don't know, a short story or a diary about all the different types of bars and what like type of clientele Mm -hmm. they had bars for older gay men younger gay men and ones that had all ages and Mm -hmm. they had really active clubs with dance floors and singing and performers and then smaller Mm -hmm. ones that encourage people to mingle like like dozens and dozens of these lots of options whatever your vibe is that night exactly exactly bars for every social level so like really fancy ones with expensive cocktails and ones with beer for 10 cents at the bottom rank it was basically soldiers and working class men and many of whom were sex workers and the most popular one was called the mother cat 
Oh, I just like loved all cute. the names of these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another bar he described um, drag performers singing about what they called themselves and they called themselves the third sex. And it was always just oh. like really funny out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, like self-aware. Self- yeah. But like we're fun so and fun. we're enjoying ourselves. Um, <laughs> bars where people would dance in couples and it was just like romantic and silly and fun and not even really, you're not even drinking. It was just... Mm just fun and happiness mm-hmm. as I said there was I miss the, that <laughs> I know god and just imagine this in the 20s Berlin yeah. like no holds bar yeah and as I said there the biggest club was called the El Dorado where famous artists authors celebrities and then eventual tourists would go because I wanted mm-hmm. to see all the sites and all of the major people mm-hmm. At first, there was less lesbian bars, and so a lot of these gay bars would have, you know, like a woman's night, like a ladies' night or something. Um, By the 1920s, there were over 50 self-described lesbian bars. So, and Mm. then they had just as many types as the guys did. A scene for every person, every night of the week, whatever you want, you had options. Mm. A woman named Ruth Marguerite Rolig wrote a famous city guide to the Berlin lesbian scene in the 20s. And she said, here, each one can find their own happiness for they make a point of satisfying every taste. (laughs) Oh, it is great. I know. And one of the dog i don't really know <laughs> sorry about the dog sorry yep yeah, yeah, we got a dog bark my neighbors fun i know um one of the most famous um lesbian bars was called chez ma belle soeur which means like my beautiful sister's place Mm. And it was decorated in Greek style frescoes and they had private booths and beds with curtains that you could close. Stop. <laughs> I know. So that's so, so like decadent. Fun. And fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like what kind of mischief? You know, I just love uh-huh. it. <laughs> These bars were really common, but they also would host really elaborate balls. So people mm. could, you could dress up. And they would do themes that have masquerades, black tie, you know, dress as you wish, costumes, just so oh my God, how fun, fun. Like, really over the top. I was just imagining mm. like Gatsby level, but like yeah, yeah, more yeah. fun. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and there are just some really amazing photographs, so I can't wait to share mm. with you. Um, but so, yeah, that's just a little dive into queer oh my history God, fun I know can you imagine thank you we're gonna have to do more queer topics but mm-hmm. yeah just a fun a, first yes it was a really fun dive first I like one. went down the rabbit yeah. hole and it was just really interesting and entertaining mm-hmm. to read about I can't imagine being there how oh, fun I it would have been thank you thanks <laughs> I can't wait for like the world to resume to be normal and we can do those yeah. things like, again please put me in a busy bar i will gladly seriously throw a drink on my shoe i don't <laughs> care but <laughs> yeah dying for it <laughs> that was great thank you you're welcome thank you okay i'm going to attempt to tell you a travel story okay wonderful he told it to me in a voice note so i'm gonna tell it to you from memory. So I kind of hope (laughs) I do a good job. So it's not in Europe. He is British Mm -hmm. and it's in the US, but it's still a fun story. Okay. (laughs) Great. This guy and his friend, you know, they're both Brits. They're using Mm -hmm. their sat nav 
to get around. <laughs> yep. Their GPS, they decided they're going to do a little, you know, road trip in America. And so they, they rent this lime green convertible. <laughs> I feel like it was a Mustang or something. <laughs> so, you know, they're using their sat nav. They're <laughs> getting their snacks, getting ready to go, mm-hmm. have an American debaucherous weekend <laughs> in Las Vegas. Okay, great. <laughs> I guess they're in Death Valley, which, you know, terrifying. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> so they go down this one road and their sat nav isn't working. God, I'm, I just I'm gonna say sat nav because I just think it's just <laughs> darling, you know. So they go down this one road and they see like a concrete blockade uh, block thing. Yeah, I mean it's not blocking the whole street, but they're like, oh, this is where they think they're supposed to be going. Okay, so <laughs> that sounds so, wrong to me. But no, okay. this is very wrong. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, these two cutie British guys mm-hmm. are just like, oh, I guess we're going down here. Just we're around this, this where we're supposed to. And yeah, this feels right. <laughs> they go around and he said like, you know, the cactuses are, are like, cacti, sorry, are like scratching the side of the car. Oh like scraping my God. Like, no, it feels wrong. It feels very wrong. <laughs> No. Go down and go down. They get stuck in the sand because <sighs> they're it's in this death valley. It's like so windy. There's sand. Oh my god. You know. What day do we know the time of day? <laughs> it's evening. It oh. is nighttime. Oh, so they no. cannot, he's like, I saw someone maybe two miles away on another road. Oh but my you can god. see the stars, you can see everything. Oh no. No one's here. We can't even call. No service. Play. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Do they know what that is? Like, I wouldn't know what that yeah. was if I went to the UK. 911. Yeah. It's like you have a better chance of getting rescued by just literally shouting at this point. <laughs> um, they eventually got stuck. You know, this oh my God. green, neon green convertible <laughs> is not meant to go off road. And like, <laughs> It's so for there's... tooting around town, and it's no yeah. more than that. <laughs> no, it's for getting, like, in and out, yeah. and, like, that's it. And taking photos in it, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, don't know where they are. They're stuck in the sand in the middle of Death Valley. <laughs> They're, like, trying to, they have their skateboards. They're trying to, like, move the car, the, scoop like, trying to out. scoop the sand, like, trying to use it oh as one God. of those, put the under a tire oh my god they're like sweating the sand is going everywhere because their tires aren't getting traction so it's just so dusty this is the point in the story where the narrator is like they think they're gonna die yes death valley (laughs) they eventually managed to get out so they go by the blockade again you know Mm -hmm. go back around scratching up the other side of the car (laughs) he's like Wow, this was really one of those ones where you're like, wow, life is precious. Holy shit. (laughs) So they, you know, eventually get SatNav to work again Mm -hmm. and find a motel. They're exhausted. They're like, you know. Thirsty, hungry. Thirsty. So they go go to a gas station, a petrol station. He's like, 
we get out of the car to, you know, get all the snacks and water and everything. Mm -hmm. We're so hungry and thirsty. And he said, it literally looks like we robbed or buried a body in the desert. We are just (laughs) filthy. Oh my God. And, And a policeman came and was (laughs) was at the petrol station and so he was like oh my god I thought he was gonna like start questioning us we looked very suspicious two guys in a neon green like flashy car covered white head to toe with dusty sand and (laughs) so they ended up finding a I know so they ended up finding a motel and spent the night and then ended up making it their way to Vegas but and they're alive to tell the story today (laughs) and he said that Death Valley (laughs) I know they did survive his friend later sent him this GPS drone video it was of that road and that road basically stopped so he's like we would have been stuck (gasps) literally in the desert if we would have kept going oh my god Thank God they got stuck there and like were able to get out when they were on the actual road. So yes, hopefully I did it justice and very, very glad that you're alive. Yes. Him and his friend both got the latitude and longitude like tattooed. Oh, (laughs) okay. That's perfect. Yeah. You have to commemorate it in a major way. Yeah. 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 I would not last. I, I told him the story. This has nothing to do with Europe, but Kat and I once had a crazy Mexico trip story, and I told him that. Oh, yeah. Another time, mm-hmm. but, or never, because <laughs> it's not about Europe. Yeah, that was my- Wow, very like, good one. Fun travel story. Thank you to your friend for sharing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the thrill. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you have a recommendation this week? Oh, okay. Yes, I do. So- okay. I'm just giving a quick shout out to a lovely Swedish artist that I think maybe you introduced me to. I don't know how I stumbled okay. upon, um, mm-hmm. named Carl Joel Larson. And oh, who, yes. Okay. Who is on Instagram uh-huh. at Carl, K A R L underscore Joel underscore Larson, mm-hmm. and did illustration work for Paloma Wool which we love, mm, love, really fun, colorful, but not like just like the perfect color scheme that mm. pleases my eyeballs so much mm. and <laughs> just really cute little illustrations. And it's just a really fantastic mm. um, Instagram to follow and beautiful follow. art to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you have for me? My recommendation this week is th- this. I'm so sorry. This this dog, dog is on one will today. not quit. <laughs> this is my life, cat. Angry this little is my bugger life. out there. <laughs> what are like? What can you be so upset about yeah. that you're like? Oh, you're in the LA sunshine. How sad for you. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I wish I had like a studio or something, but I'm just recording in my room. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> I don't have a closet. They're like a real closet. So, okay. So my recommendation this week is Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney. Mm, It is a book. And I feel like you might be familiar with Normal People, which is a book, but also a show on Hulu, Mm -hmm. or at least in the US. It's one of those things 
that is just too mm. fucking real. Yeah. Like it is too real. Like mm-hmm. messiness, the nuance mm-hmm. of like young adult relationships, you're trying to figure yourself out. Mm-hmm. How can you get into something serious or, mm-hmm. or deal with things in a healthy Confidence, way? trust. Yes. yes. She is a brilliant writer. She just it nails. Is, it is too real and both of her books I've sobbed because I'm like I just see myself in this yes in there absolutely and it's one of those things I mean not getting like too personal or anything where you're but you're like you know you're interested in someone and what can you ask how far do you go oh yeah how what do you give what do you want even yeah, yeah, she's really good. It's just too real. It's so funny that you Sobbed. bring her up because I was thinking yeah. the other day that I should rewatch Normal People. But I really <gasps> yes. loved Conversations with Friends. I think I might have liked Me it too. more than Normal People. And yeah. it's just, mm, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. I know. And then Ireland. I mean, I love Ireland. Oh, yeah. She's an Irish writer. I forgot to mention that. But, um, okay. Yeah. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, Kate. Amazing story. Mm-hmm. Amazing topic today. So mm-hmm. entertaining and fun to hear. Really about. sorry about this dog. That's all right. How annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you again and thank you everyone for listening. Oh, oh my God. Wait. Wait. I have a word I was to like, say. Wait, your word. <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> so I have a little German pet name for us today. Uh-huh. And it's called Honig Binhin. And <gasps> it means little honeybee. <laughs> Stop Honig it. Binhin. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. You know, I always want to know a cute little pet name that is just mm-hmm. like on the top of my list. I want to know all the pet names of every language. And that's I just thought so this cute. one was so darling. That's darling. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad that I remembered to share our word of the day. <laughs> and <laughs> once again, I thank you all for listening and thank you so much, Kate. And we'll talk to you all Thanks, next Kat. week. Ciao. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> mm-hmm.